1: that's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. PDW reward prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. plus. This, this, this is the Drive and Dish podcast talking about NBA news. Oh,
0: about Stats and fantasy. Oh.
1: To start it off, it's Tim Tompkins. It seems like the heat this year, with the way that they're built, they have a lot to prove, and I think that they could potentially be the two-seed
0: in the East. Kevin Refuse. It's October 28th. The Spurs play the Thunder. And so you got Lamar Saldridge making his debut with San Antonio. You've got Kevin Durant, first game back, coming off foot surgery. You know We know these teams have battled before, twice in the Western Conference Finals.
2: And Justin Cousins. you got to get somebody around Davis. Maybe some guards that can get him the ball, so not Lance Stephenson. (laughs) Let's go.
0: So once again, I would like to preface this intro to the Drive and Dish NBA podcast with we do not encourage this type of behavior. Right. However... I think a lot of you know by now, or if you don't know, we broadcast the recording of the show on Periscope every single weekend. You can live stream on it. It helps, you know, uh, you know, it can allow you guys to interact with us. You guys can see us make the show and you can do, but you can live stream anything pretty much. That's the can, whole point of the app.
2: And you can totally see us when we totally screw up or forget a player's name or yes, something like that. Absolutely. We definitely take that out when when the finished product comes Yeah, through.
0: I mean, I don't think anybody wants to hear a finished product of us messing up. But right. anyway, so the point is there are a lot of good things that Periscope can be used used for, for example, like we just said, us recording the show. However, this was not one of them. A 23-year-old girl in Lakeland, Florida, which is a little bit outside the Orlando area for those of you who need a geographic context, it's in central Florida, but this chick had the brilliant idea to get in a car after drinking, which is already mistake number one, and mm-hmm and live stream her drunken drive home from the bar
2: right and and it was a long periscope i watched it i was just more jealous of how many followers and watching people watching there were
0: that is you were a terrible person
2: <laughs> well she did get arrested though so
0: she did that that's the the viewers of periscope actually called police <laughs> and they well, were they, able to track her down using right. geographic locations.
2: Right, and it was crazy cuz you could see all the people commenting. They kept like it, it people were just like oh my god this is awful. Please stop. Turn off your car. Get out of there. blah 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 stuff like that. Um and it, you know, she she was really drunk.
0: Just what in the world are you th- like it's it's bad enough to do to drive drunk already. But why would you film it?
2: I don't know. So it, like, locked up one of her hands while she was trying to drive, and then, like, in the very beginning, she talks about how she was accidentally in reverse when she thought she was going forward, and I was like, oh, boy. Here we go.
0: I mean, thankfully, this chick didn't cause an accident or hit anyone else or, or kill herself, so there's a positive out of all this, I guess, but... Yeah. Is this what... Has social media inspired us to get more stupid? Because oh, it probably. seems like that way sometimes.
2: I mean, you know, it, it's people on social media like stupid things.
0: Yeah, I'm all about doing it for the vine, but this is kind of...
2: Doing it for the Periscope? L- a
0: little too much here.
2: <laughs> My first thought when I saw it was, oh man, Kevin's going to totally use this on his Periscope stupid argument. <laughs> <laughs> I It's not that... I,
0: in full disclosure, because cause Tim would argue with me more if he's here, we'll, we'll explain where Tim is in a second, but I don't hate Periscope. Mm-hmm. I just think it's kind of pointless a lot of the time. Like, if I'm sitting on my couch and I'm periscoping,
2: what's the point?
0: Who cares?
2: Well, yeah, you got to make your you got to make your uh, you got to make it worth watching.
0: Yeah, if you're doing something productive, I get it. I
2: but I just think watch. a
0: lot of people probably use Periscope that aren't doing anything.
2: Well, like I told you, very my very first Periscope was me and a friend at the bar, and I was asking them what shot they wanted my friend to do. We had like fifty people, and they're telling us different shots.
0: That I just. I'd rather just, you know, like ask people at the bar what kind of shot he can do. Oh, we were
2: doing that too. We got all the people at the bar incorporated into it. It was a great Periscope. (sighs) Everyone listening, you all missed out.
0: I'll have to take your word (laughs) for it. But you're listening to the Drive and Dish NBA podcast. My name is Kevin Rayfuse. So usually joining me to my left is my co-host Tim Tompkins. However, he's not here today. Tim, if you don't know, is a big fan of plaid. Mm -hmm. And, And Justin will vouch for this. Tim has one plaid shirt with four different kinds of plaid on it. I didn't think it was possible.
2: And he's got these pants that have, they're like a, a quilt, but they're plaid.
0: Yeah, but it, so Tim is on the quest right now for the perfect plaid shirt. So he honestly could be anywhere in the world right now. I don't know where he is. He said he wasn't coming back, though, until he found the perfect plaid shirt.
2: Yeah, so uh, good luck on that, Tim, and we will hold down the fort.
0: We will definitely hold down the fort, and since we are holding down the fort, behind the boards, keeping us honest as always, our producer, Justin Kuzart.
2: Enjoy living your life as a grown-ass man, and I'll keep mine according to how I want to. Thanks, though.
0: I'm going to guess Matt Barnes.
2: No, Frank Kaminsky. Oh, Um, wow. A troll, pretty much. You saw that video of him out dancing on the... Dance yes,
0: which is hilarious. You guys need to watch you guys need to watch this. Frank Komitsky dancing. I mean, I remember there was a video of him at Wisconsin yeah. last year dancing for a Final Four preview, and the dude just fully embraces the no oh, yeah. shame rule.
2: He's all about it. But uh someone had tweeted him saying, you know, Frank, it's been fun, but you're a grown ass man now. Let's rep uh UW like like one. And he's like, Bro, screw yourself.
0: <laughs> Listen, there is nothing Wrong With having zero shame on the dance floor I think both you and I can speak for that pretty adequately Oh yeah,
2: I have no shame when it comes to that I go for it And this is about the time of the show Where Tim would be telling you That we take the time to thank our listeners For leaving a review on our iTunes Which I believe we have another one
0: Yes, we do This one is from America It's actually a shame Tim's not here for this one Because this one is actually perfect For what Tim usually says Oh gosh The title of this review is A Contender It's a five-star review by Elijah Barry. and Elijah says this is an excellent podcast but as Tim says it isn't the best if this was in the Western Conference it would be a two to four seed mm. these guys are funny and knowledgeable if you like the NBA and humor then you need to listen to this podcast
2: I know if, if you're not a fan of humor in general I feel like you're not living your life right and but like I'm not also one to tell you how to live your life so if you don't like humor I'm surprised you're still listening and two, I'm sorry.
0: I really hope there's so <laughs> that everyone likes humor out there. If someone doesn't like humor, oh, that's just so sad. But th- no, this is perfect. because yes. Tim, Tim, for those of you who don't know, e- even if a reviewer says we are the best podcast, Tim says, no, no, we're not. No, yes. we're not. And the way I look at it, Elijah, thank you for the review first off. A two to four seed in the Western Conference. Two to four seed in the Western Conference could win the finals this year.
2: Exactly. I'm glad we're not like we're not like the sixth seed. Right. If that's we were like, like right a out. six
0: or a seven, or if we were like a two through eight in the east, I'd be a little more worried. <laughs> but a two yeah. through four in the west, hey, we're in pretty good company. I agree. I'll take that every time. But thank you again, Elijah, for leaving the review and again. Please leave us a review on iTunes, good, bad, somewhere in the middle. We don't read these to stroke our ego. Again, it helps us move up the rankings and gets more people to check out the podcast. So any of your feedback will be appreciated. And if you have left a review up until this point, we will be getting to it soon on a future episode. So stay tuned for that.
2: So why don't we get into some news? Tell me something I do not know. Do not know. Now.
0: If you do not know the present, how can you claim to know the future?
2: Now on NBA News on the Drive and Dish podcast. We need to know now.
1: LeBron James is out for the remainder of the preseason following an anti-inflammatory injection in his back. James has suffered from back problems last few years. This could be an issue to watch out for this upcoming season. Keeping with the Cavs, the front office has pulled the five-year, $80 million contract offer to Tristan Thompson. The standoff continues. This is make or break for his agent, Rich Paul. After being found unresponsive in a brothel last week near Las Vegas, Lamar Odom is now breathing on his own and has regained consciousness. The NBA family are all pulling for him. We posted an old-school video of Lamar Odom crossing someone up on our Facebook page. It's incredible. Check it out on Facebook at drive and dish NBA. Nate Robinson has signed a one-year deal with the Pelicans. OKC is holding extension talks with Dion Waiters. Why, OKC? Why? Mark Cuban is offering free heart exams for former Mavericks players. He's run for president. Kevin Love made his preseason debut for the Cavs on Sunday. He will be a buy low option in fantasy leagues this year, FYI. The Hornets are shooting a lot of threes this preseason. Without MKG, it looks like their offensive offensive he might drastically change this year. Derrick Rose has been cleared for non-contact basketball activities, says he sees double vision with both eyes open, but not to worry, he can play with one eye shut. And finally, congratulations to the Minnesota Lynx for their WNBA championship run over the Indiana Fever. This marks the Lynx' third title in five years. They reportedly celebrated in Vegas with Prince afterwards. Seems fitting.
0: And this is your news for this week.
2: Mm. Thing.
0: Well, boy, oh boy! If there's one thing you can say about the Sacramento Kings is they sure are consistent.
2: Yeah, I mean, Rondo looks to be already having some tro- some trouble. You don't?
0: Who would have seen this coming?
2: Yeah, he was. Um, so they played the Lakers in an exhibition game in Vegas, uh, and they won actually. And Rondo was being talked to by some reporters, and he pretty much said it's not going too well. Him and George Carl got into a couple of arguments in the last couple of days. Hopefully, we continue to talk and get better.
0: Hopefully, we continue to talk and get better. That is extremely encouraging. Dude, what a mess! Ma- and we talked extensively about the Marcus Cousins and George Carl, and the, you know the whole snakes in the grass thing and all that fun stuff. And they finally get fine. And now here's Rondo fighting with George Carl.
2: It's like it's a. I mean, but who didn't see this coming? Rondo's already had trouble and, and been kind of pissed off at and had trouble with coaches. I, I
0: really want to know who is more at fault here because this is a valid question. George yeah. Carls had stuff in the past, but Rondo, I mean, we know Rondo is just, to put it bluntly, a head case.
2: Yeah, I mean, we'll just—I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to see what happens with just, that. Just
0: one of—poor Kings. It, it's getting to the point where— all I can do is just feel bad for Kings fans. Like yeah. they had, they deserve so much better than this.
2: Well, and I mean, it might pan out, and they play well. We'll just, I mean, you know, it. We'll have to see once the season starts. Well, the
0: starting five, if if you've been watching preseason, hasn't been awful. And, and Tim was Tim's been actually watching a lot of Kings. I know they played his sons the other night, but you know, Rudy Gay has looked great. He's picking oh, yeah. it right up, right where he was last year, which is an encouraging sign. If you're a Kings fan, the starting five has potential to be pretty good. But it's just kind of, there's always something with this team.
2: Mm-hmm. It's always some kind of, and it's always not court-related. It's always off-court problems, it seems like.
0: I wanted, the, Who has more drama, the Knicks or the Kings?
2: Oh, gosh. I feel like the Knicks, just because they're a bigger market and they get put into the put into the news more often. Yeah, people
0: definitely talk about the Knicks more, I feel like. But the Knicks have been kind of drama-free, I think, the last year, maybe. I mean, there's the mellow thing constantly looming. Yeah. Who, who are we kidding? The Knicks, the Knicks are always going to be into something this year. You, you hope Phil <laughs> mellows them out, but we will see. But the other news we wanted to mention, and mm-hmm. this is really sad news, Lamar Odom, they found him unconscious. Now, granted, this was about a week ago, but we wanted to make mention of this. Lamar Odom was found unconscious in a Las Vegas, or excuse me, a Nevada, not a Las Vegas, just a Nevada brothel. Mm-hmm. And... Just looks bad all around. I mean, we know that he's had the history of alcohol and drug abuse problems, and
2: and that's the thing is that I I think they said they didn't find drugs or alcohol in his room when they went in.
0: No, the initial reports from the the manager of the brothel, which this is all legal, by the way. Yeah, just, just so you know, there there's nothing crazy going on here. Um, the manager said that he had been taking. Some kind of herbal Viagra, which I don't really know what that is, but and I'm sure we'll find out more about what it is sooner than later. And that he had drank some cognac when he got there, so there may have been a little booze involved. But th- this was scary. There are reports say that he was like foaming at the mouth mm-hmm. and, and spitting up blood, and that his his heart was failing. It's just it, it's terrible, terrible news because if you know anything about Lamar Odom and his growing up, the the dude has just been through so much in his life. Yeah. And it, you know, we know how successful he's he was as an NBA player. You know, Sixth Man of the Year, multiple titles with the Lakers, and it's just really, really sad to see the decline of Lamar Odom since he's left basketball.
2: Yeah, it's one of those things. It was like like basketball kept him occupied. It seemed like, and then once he, once it ended, it kind of became harder for him.
0: Well, again, it's just a reminder. You know, we, you know, I know people. Have kind of made jokes at Lamar Odom over the the Chloe Kardashian thing and the the fact that he was smoking crack, but this is you know this is a serious deal for Lamar Odom, and I hope that as he pulls out of this that he gets the help that he needs and and can recover from this stronger forever because this is no joke. I mean I don't want to make no. this. You know, I'm trying to convey the seriousness here, and you know, we're not joking about this like we do a lot of times because you know, it's drug addiction is not a joke. No, it's a serious. It's thing. just sad. We hope for that Lamar Odom can bounce back and you know get back on the horse sooner than later. So, just you know, from the podcast, we want to extend our best wishes to Lamar Odom and his family. Agreed. But well, you're listening to the Drive and Dish NBA podcast. Kevin Rafe, Tim Tompkins, Justin Kuzart. Follow us on Twitter at Drive and Dish NBA. So the first team on the list is one that, well, frankly, we've talked about a lot on this podcast, as a lot of people around the league are, mm-hmm. and that is the Cleveland Cavaliers. They finished at 53-29 and last year, and for the most part, things are pretty much the same. Kevin Love is back in the fold, five-year deal, seems to be pretty happy, which is one of the big things we're going to get into. They also brought in Mo Williams, and they brought in Richard Jefferson to beef up the bench a little bit. Sean Marion has since retired. Mike Miller has gone. J.R. Smith re-signed a new deal. And we'll get into the Tristan Thompson situation in a bit because <laughs> that is just still not resolved amazingly.
2: I wonder how long it's going to take. Like, it's like, at this point...
0: You just have to wonder if he's going to play at all. Because we saw LeBron post on Instagram, and I guess we haven't updated since then. LeBron posted on Instagram a picture with Tristan Thompson and said that it's a distraction and that they need to get the deal done. Mm-hmm. But as we've all said on the show multiple times, and I think Cavs management is in agreement with this. Tristan Thompson is not worth ninety-four million dollars. Well,
2: what was it? I was gonna. I was if if they were to pay Tristan Thompson two for both of their power forwards, they'd be roughly two hundred million dollars for one position. Right, and Tristan, that's like that's too much.
0: And it's just Tristan Thompson is a very nice player. But he's what does Tristan Thompson do? Elite besides rebound? Offensive offensively, rebound, yeah. he's pretty limited. I mean, most of his points are coming off putbacks. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, so, that, and that's what I think he thinks is going to get him paid is his offensive rebounds and, and his ability to do that.
0: Oh, and he played well in the playoffs and in the finals. He stepped up and played a lot of big minutes for them and gave them the contributions they needed. But you, Tristan Thompson is not on any planet worth $94 million. Well, and
2: the other thing I'm looking at is if they don't figure this thing out with Thompson and he's gone, they really only have Kevin Love as their player that is, you know— categorized I guess as a power forward after that they don't have anybody if they can't get Thompson to come yeah back. you
0: obviously can always run LeBron in the four but right. ideally at his age you don't really want him frankly getting abused in the post the way it mm-hmm. would be I mean he's gonna LeBron's gonna take more of a beating if he's in the post all the time but we know he can step up if need be and, and there's and there's ways around that but just yeah I don't understand I mean they're, they're just in such a bad situation in terms of Tristan Thompson. And we and we talked about this before. Because he didn't sign the qualifying offer, you know, they have to get a deal done or he can't play this year. Yeah. And if he holds out this year and comes back, he's still a restricted free agent. So we're right back where we are now. It's not even like he takes the one-year tender and then let's say he goes and finds a bigger deal on Toronto or some other team.
2: It's like the problem isn't fixed if we keep waiting it out. Yeah,
0: Rich Paul just—Tim is right. Rich Paul is is totally, totally just—
2: Screwing him over. And
0: just giving him bad advice.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, but, but looking at the rest of the Cavs team, I mean, you know, Kyrie Irving went down in the playoffs with that terrible knee injury. Mm-hmm. I think if it's any other team coming into this year, you're, all, you're concerned and you're scared and you're worried about the team and how he's going to be able to heal. But with this team what's the rush? What's rush getting him back? You've got Kevin Love, let Love and James get more chemistry together. I understand you're wanting him back. He's an elite player, but you've got Mo Williams to fill that hole until until they can bring him back until he's healthy enough to play. You don't want him coming in, getting hurt, and then here we are again.
0: Absolutely. And that's the and you summed it up great. The the beauty of it is the Cavs are playing for June. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's not get it twisted in mince words here. The Cavs are playing for June. You have the time to let Kyrie Irving heal. Now, are Kyrie Irving's injuries a concern? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. The guy's been hurt every year. And this is, you know, he's not going to be ready for the beginning of the season. So you have to take the time and let Kyrie Irving heal because I think in order to win the finals, they're going to need him healthy or at least contributing in some facet. And I think Kyrie Irving's injury worries are legit fear at this point because he's only played one full season ever.
2: Right. Well. So. And then this is my other, the other question that I've been seeing brought up on Reddit consistently now. Did the best team win last year, or did the healthiest team win last year? Well,
0: and Steph Curry fired back at this earlier. He mm-hmm. says he said a real funny remark about how he'll do his best to make sure they're not healthy last year. And, and I think that. And not to go on a tangent here, and we'll get back to the Cavs this side. But that that whole line of thinking is stupid. Mm-hmm. The Warriors were. I don't know what the Warriors. Suddenly did to get disrespected all of a sudden because from game one to the last game in June game six this team was the best team in the NBA Mm -hmm. were they healthy absolutely. And health always benefits teams going. I mean, it's. But do I think Cleveland was better last year than Golden State, even if they were healthy? I don't think anybody was. No, no I don't I think they were the
2: best. I yeah. I agree.
0: I mean, LeBron played out of his mind, and it was one of the greatest individual performances I've ever seen. And there are arguments for the Cavs after the All Star break; they had the best offensive rating in basketball, including better than Golden State. And I think when, when all three of them are on the floor, they can gun with the best of them. And they have so many weapons. And I think they started to find a little bit of a defensive identity. Mm-hmm. Though, granted, we will say that was without Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love, who are not the two best defenders of all time, to say the least. Right.
2: They also get Varazal back, which is a great— I would assume you're going to play Mozgov over absolutely Oh, absolutely. is going to be good at that second because he also— has a very bad injury problem or, or, you know, consistent injuries. He's just, I don't think he's played a full season in his career. I
0: think any contribution you can get out of Anderson-Varajal is a positive at this right.
2: point. Right, and they brought they brought J.R. Smith back, which yes, I know he did terrible in the playoffs, but he, I mean, there was there were some games where he showed right. he can and do J. R. it. And
0: J.R. Smith can make open three-pointers. That's exactly. a lot, you know, the LeBron James offense, for his role players, you need guys that can hit open three-pointers. J.R. Smith can hit open three-pointers. He screwed himself out of a little bit of money this off season, right. but that's for playing his own hand
2: right and then they also brought back Shumpert which the the thing they did with Shumpert though which is crazy to me is they they're paying him like it's averages out to like 10 million a season for the time that they have him now and what I don't understand is why they didn't try to go less on that so that they'd have more for Thompson but I mean at the same time you want Shumpert for his defense he's a good backup he's going to come in and, and help out on that side I just I mean the, the whole the whole storyline with this team is get healthy. Get yeah. healthy and reboot for next year. That's all they really need to yeah, do. Yeah,
0: they're playing for June. I mean, I've said it on the show multiple times and, and I wanna before I get into my you know, all my bold predictions and stuff is that well, they're not really that bold, let's be honest, it's Cleveland. But Matthew Delvadova was a solid backup point guard last year and he played good minutes for them in the playoffs, but Delvedova is is more suited as a third guard. And I think bringing back Mo Williams, who has played with LeBron James before, who was an all-star in Cleveland back in 2009, to play that backup point guard role, that that is such an underrated sign. Well, and
2: the game. thing is, last time he was with Cleveland, he was like their go-to. Now he's not, he doesn't have to be their go-to option, so that frees him up and takes the pressure off him a lot more, too.
0: Right, he's older, he's a veteran, he's been around the league, and again, when with Kyrie Irving's injury concerns, that backup point guard is so crucial, and... Mo Williams is just a huge upgrade over Delavidova. There's right. no way around it.
2: The only the only concern for me is how quickly will Kyrie Irving mesh with LeBron and Love once LeBron and Love have half a season or however long it is to, you know, bounce off each other and get that chemistry going. It's kinda of gonna be one of those like Kyrie Irving's gonna be that new guy to the group. He's gotta figure it out and and you know, integrate back into the offense, which I don't think it'll be a problem with them but it it's a it's definitely a concern you have to think about
0: well, and I think I think all three of these players are talented enough, and one of the big things that I think the Cavs need to do this year, and I think that there is a conscious effort to do is get Kevin Love more involved. I mean the fact of the matter is last year they basically reduced Kevin Love to a sit in the corner and hit three pointers, mm-hmm. which is great, but Kevin you didn't bring Kevin Love in he here can do, to do so that. much more and I think that was one of the big you know. The drama around Kevin Love seems to have gone away this offseason. Well, they posted
2: pictures of them hanging out, and and him and LeBron. Sorry, him and LeBron were hanging out. They posted pictures. I I think they're hanging out, making sure that they've got that. Well, right, you
0: didn't see any of that last year. And yeah. again, I don't want to read too much into Instagram, but I remember after a game, you know, you got LeBron with pretty much the entire team, and Kevin Love's nowhere to be found. Right. And now you know he's back in the fold. They had that that infamous poolside meeting. Apparently, mm-hmm. the best business gets handled at the poolside. But. Yeah. It's going to be interesting for the Cavaliers, but we know what we know what this team is and I, I'm curious to see what David Blatt can do to get Kevin Love um, more involved. Well,
2: and and okay, so fine. David Blatt he had a pretty good first year. I you know, he even said that it was harder than he thought it was going to be with, you know, the egos and uh you know, weird random rumors like we were just talking about about Kevin Love and LeBron not getting along. But if if David Blatt does make the Cavs win it last year or or does bring the Cavs or coach the Cavs to win it next year do you think he's in contention for coach of the year
0: I think he's always gonna be I mean anytime we saw Spolster win coach of the year I mean anytime one of the biggest things about coaching basketball is managing egos and when you have three star players on your team that's a a much more difficult task than I think a lot of coaches get credit Mm -hmm. for I mean these are grown men who you're having to coach. And I think Blatt's going to be more adjusted. And I think David Blatt got a lot of unfair criticism this year. Mm -hmm. I don't think that when the Cavs hired him that they had this particular team in mind. I mean, they didn't. Uh, It was drastically different until LeBron came back. And and now I think the rapport is there. I I think the mutual respect is there again. I mean, we saw this same situation with Spolster in Miami and LeBron the first year. They'll be fine. All this stuff is going to work itself out. I think David Blatt... You know, they went to the finals last year with all the injuries they had. They were still t- just two games away from winning the entire thing, which is kind of amazing because we all know the Warriors were a better team last year.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and, and so it goes worth mentioning they were 8th in the league for points per game. They were 10th for assists, uh, thirteen for points allowed, so their defense was actually pretty good. And their rebounds were about—they uh, had about 43 a game, which was like 18, so maybe maybe that's what— Tristan Thompson sees and says, "Look, you guys need help on the re- rebounding and like pay me money." But I, even so, I think the teams the team's going to be right back where they were. Next.
0: Yeah, I'm just ready to see this team, you know, rev up and and be the offensive juggernaut. I think they can be. But so Cleveland won 53 games last year, more or less.
2: I think well because they played so well in that second half when it was Love, Kyrie, and LeBron. And I understand Kyrie is not going to be there, but I think Mo Williams is going to be a good pullover for the time. I think they're going to win a few more. Yeah. I think I, they're going to be around the 55, 56 area. Yeah.
0: I also agree. I don't think it's going to be many more because I think they're going to be resting players a lot. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if LeBron takes another hiatus like he did last yeah. year. And, and obviously, Kyrie won't be there the entire season. So, but that being said, I, I still think it's more. And I mean, it's, it's finals are bust for this team. We know that. And, you know, we'll talk about our full. NBA predictions a little more once we wrap this all up, but this is the year I think. I really think Cleveland is going to win it all this year. I think the drought is coming to an end, and I think the Cavaliers win the finals this year.
2: The thing with the thing with the Cavs though is I think they will lose more division inner division games. They were eleven and five last year, but I think. I think the Pacers will be able to win a few more of their meetings, you know what I mean? The division's definitely
0: yeah. tougher. There's no way around it. I mean, and we'll get into Milwaukee and, and Indiana in a little bit, is too, and, and obviously Chicago's always in the mix as well, mm-hmm. but it's definitely a tougher division. We've, we've mentioned it a lot of times that the Eastern Conference has improved, but there's just, pending health... There's just no way I see anybody beating Cleveland in the East. Minimum beating anybody in the East. The finals, you know, you never know with whoever comes out of the West. Right.
2: The West, but... the West is the only threat, really, for the Cavs. If we're, if we're being blunt.
0: Yeah. And, and again, as I said, you know, a little preview of my finals champion pick. But I, th- I think Cleveland wins this year. Okay. This is, this is my pick. So be ready to, be ready to roast me if they lose in the second round or some crazy happens this year. But I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident that they'll be all right. But you're listening to the Drive and Dish NBA podcast. Kevin Rafuse, Tim Tompkins, Justin Kuzart. Like us on Facebook. Just search Drive and Dish NBA podcast. So second place in the Central Division last year is a team that is frustrating at times. The Chicago Bulls. They finished 50-32. and 32 And Derrick Rose missed time again last year. But he was able to get back for the playoffs, including hitting a game-winner. Chicago made it to the second round where they lost to LeBron James, which unfortunately has been the theme, it seems. Either injuries or losing to LeBron James of the last five years in Chicago. But for the first time this offseason, Chicago really did shake things up a bit. The biggest change in Chicago is no doubt Tom Thibodeau is out. Mm -hmm. We know his great coach.
2: A lot of people think this is controversial. They think that maybe he should have stayed because they were winning, what, you know, over 50 50 games or blah, 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 blah.
0: It's an interesting argument because you can say that Thibodeau kept them relevant every single year. But it's also worth
2: saying that he might be the reason that a lot of the players are injured.
0: Right, (laughs) because Thibodeau will play as starters 40 minutes a game. And in a league where we're seeing teams rest more and more and seeing the importance of rest, you have to wonder. But that being said, at the same time... Thibodeau dealt with a lot of injuries between Joe Kim-Noah and Derrick Rose. And it always seemed to be something. So I think there was credit for Thibodeau. And I think that's why he got picked up again so quickly. But I think a change – I was in favor of a change here. I was here. too.
2: My, my thing is, is one of the biggest questions is how is uh, Fred going to – I say him like I know him – to <laughs> come in here and manage the minutes. They have enough players, and they have the depth that they can manage the minutes. Joakim Noah was, like, he looked terrible in the playoffs they
0: last year. No, Joakim Noah, just, you have to question what he can give you at all anymore. Did he
2: just, is his career over? Like, is it done? Well, it's ever was, since the foot
0: injuries. I yeah. mean, he dealt with so many foot injuries, and, and we know what that type of injury can do to a player, and he just, it looked like he didn't have any lift. Like, when he jumped, it, it seemed like he was barely getting off the ground.
2: Right. Right, and well, so, just look at this for a second. I'm just looking, and I know it's preseason, so, you know, these are just little injuries. But, on NBC Sports, injury fantasy, it's a fantasy thing, so they're looking at it from a fantasy perspective. But in that perspective, the players that are injured already that you should be wary of, Todd Gibson, his left ankle is bothering him. Kirk Heinrich, his foot's bothering him. Joakim Noah is having knee problems. Nikola Meretic, They said he's having some trouble in the injury department. Derrick Rose, he's having that eye injury. That's already, and the season hasn't even started.
0: Yeah, it's going to be, you know, well, first off, we got to mention Derrick Rose, too. Derrick Rose has a broken orbital bone in his face, which, again, this is random. (laughs) Yeah, this is random. It's not a knee injury, but Mm -hmm. it's just like... Man, oh man, Derrick Rose. But
2: that's why I think they gave Butler that eighty-seven million dollar contract, and and
0: that was the big splash. Other than Hoiberg was bringing was bringing Jimmy Butler back and mm-hmm. and giving him the deal that he wanted. And I mean, Jimmy Butler was dynamic last year.
2: I think they, I think, and they're they're talking about how him and Rose are having the uh, issues. They're not not seeing eye to eye, I guess. But my thing is, I'm looking at a Rose shot just forty point five percent from the field. And only twenty eight from deep. Like, I think, I think it's time to hand it over to Butler to in those in those clutch situations.
0: Oh, I agree. I th- I think if you are a Bulls fan, Jimmy Butler is your guy, a- mm-hmm. and that's one of the interesting rumors that's been going around the NBA is that Derek Rose and, and Jimmy Butler don't get along that well. Now, granted, I don't want to read too much into no, this because we haven't heard anything quite yet. But there have been multiple reports coming out of Bulls camp that these two haven't got along, and it's interesting. And I think if you are a Bulls, if you are in the Bulls management. Derrick Rose has officially reached luxury status to me. If Derrick Rose plays great, because you know what he can be, I mean, this guy was the youngest MVP in league history. Mm-hmm. But what in the last four seasons has made me think that I should base my entire year around Derrick Rose?
2: Right, and that's and that's the problem. Is so they have Aaron Brooks as their second point guard, and this under- was a really good signing. He played right. he played a lot of good minutes for them last year. Right, and I know Kirk Heinrich can also play point guard, and they do that from time to time. But you know. If you write Derek off for injury, their, their point guard play gets a little thin.
0: Oh, absolutely. And it's just kind of what they have. You know, right. They they brought Dunleavy back on a really good deal, which I like. They got him just on a great, great contract. Oh, really yeah, I love Dunleavy,
2: especially in the playoffs. He plays so good.
0: Right, and McDermott's still here. You hope that you can get more out of him. He dealt with injuries last year. We know he can stretch the floor. Miritich had a great month. I mean, the month basically propelled him into Rookie of the Year conversation, and he added that dynamic outside shot. And that instant offense that it seemed like the Bulls were missing, but he kind of tailed off a bit towards the end of the year. Granted, Miritich was a, a rookie yeah. by standards that he's 26, but it was his <laughs> first year in the NBA. And you, you'd you like to see more consistency out of them this right. year. And I, I think Miritich is the X factor for the Bulls.
2: Well, they went and, uh, they went and drafted Bobby Portis. Um, and the thing I think they did that for is because if Miritich goes off, then they have the luxury of being able to trade Todd Gibson. Todd Gibson becomes expendable at that point because mm-hmm. you have Paul Gasol already, then you have Miritich, and then you have Bobby Portis to be that next depth player in case you need him.
0: Yeah, Paul was an, an all-star last year, and you expect to get more good minutes out of Paul Gasol. His, his defense was quietly beginning to lack a yeah. little bit last year where— and so you worry about as Powell gets older, but I'm not gonna like I'm not writing off Powell. So I'll put it that way, and I still think he is a is a big part of this team. And you mentioned Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis was a steal. No, oh, yeah, I mean no one, no one, including the Bulls, I think, expected him to fall all the way into the twenties. I mean, I I still mentioned Justice Winslow as a steal of the draft, and I think. Uh, the Wizards got Kelly Oubre at really good value at 15. But Bobby Portis is in this conversation, too, as as one of the steals of the draft. I really think this kid can play some solid minutes for the Bulls this year.
2: Yeah. No, I'm excited for the Bulls. I mean, they're like the one team, in, the, and I, it's always every year, but it's the one team that could be that X factor against the Cavs. If they can stay healthy, which is a very terrifying if because it already looks like they're having trouble. If they can stay healthy and the new coach can manage the minutes and find an offense and defense scheme that works with his team, which he was really good at doing and is one of his best coaching, you know, attributes, as people say, you know, they can really give the Cavs a run for their money.
0: And you just, I just hope the Bulls aren't stuck because it kind of seems like they're stuck. And we keep talking about these, oh, well, if this happens and if this happens and this happens, but, you know, forgive me for being jaded, but it hasn't. Yeah. And, you know, if Miritich takes the leap, and Bobby Portis plays minutes. And Paul Gasol is Paul Gasol. And Derrick Rose can give you a little bit of something. And Jimmy Butler plays as well as he did last year. And they have the point guard depth of Aaron Brooks. And Aaron Brooks can give you quality minutes the way he did last year and that wasn't a fluke in it. This Bulls team is going to be good. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. Like They're going to be in the mix to win rounds in the playoffs. But, man, I just can't put it. They it seems like it's the same team over and over and over again. And in the case of Powell and Joakim Noah, they're on the wrong side of 30.
2: Right. And then I, and it almost looks like like if Noah goes down, then Paul or Todd really has to take over the center position. And that really starts throwing it off. And that starts throwing the team the way they want to play off.
0: Now, granted, we saw a coaching change do wonders. And we saw Steve Kerr come in from mm-hmm. Mark Jackson and do wonders with the Warriors if Hoiberg can install the right offensive system maybe this is the year for the Bulls but it, it's just I feel like I'm a broken record at this point it's it's maybe it's the year for the Bulls
2: I feel like it's the same like the Bulls and the Grizzlies were always like yeah they're gonna be they're gonna be there you know they're not they're gonna be there but they're never gonna actually make that leap
0: yeah yeah with the Bulls granted a lot of it's to do with injury but I, I see your point there so the Bulls won 50 games last year do you think they win more this year
2: uh I no. I think they went a few less.
0: So you're going a little less than 50? I'm probably going... I'm going to say less, too. I probably have them around 49, 48. Like, it's close. It's I, I, almo- I almost
2: pushed.
1: But <laughs> I apparently almost I put- can't do that no, here, but I almost pushed. But <laughs> no,
2: I think it's a few less. Not much. Like, yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, like, 40. I'm saying, like, you know, 48. Maybe, like, two games.
0: It's interesting, though. I I hope for... Well, I hope Derrick Rose gets healthy. That's just the biggest thing.
2: That's that's my main problem. I'm just so... I'm not confident this team can stay healthy. No. That's my problem. I'm
0: not at all. I they haven't shown me anything to be confident over the last five years. But you're listening to the Drive and Dish NBA podcast. Kevin Fuse, Tim Tompkins, Justin Kuzard. Check out our website, driveanddishpodcast.com. So the third team on this list was... I don't want to say they were a surprise, but they were a nice, feel-good up and coming story, and that's the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks finished at five hundred last year. They were forty one and forty one, making the playoffs in the East as a six seed, which is a big time turnaround considering the year before they were the worst team in the league. Mm-hmm. Big things that happened for the Bucks. This well, first to me, it all starts going back to last season where they they traded Brandon Knight. They brought in Michael Carter Williams to be their point guard of the future. And the big splash, obviously, this year was they brought in Greg Monroe. Which, again, shout out to Milwaukee for—I mean, they—they got you got Greg Monroe to come to Milwaukee over New York, and that's not a diss at the city. Like, I'm not trying to diss Milwaukee, but the fact of the matter is, New York is is much more attractive, I think, to NBA players in terms of free agency than Milwaukee. Winning, yeah. But it's also crazy because I think it kind of shows a shift here. You know, Greg Monroe wants to build with this young team, and he wants to, and it shows that. He's a player that's going to go somewhere where they he thinks he can win, rather than just take the big paycheck and go to New and York. And
2: Greg Monroe is not too old himself; he's no. pretty young himself. I think what twenty five.
0: Yeah, he fits right into this yeah. core. You know, the problem with Greg Monroe in Detroit, as we know, is he just between Andre Drummond and at the time they where they signed Josh Smith, there just weren't a lot of minutes. Right. They had they had three players in, in two positions, and so you constantly split the minutes up, and so you just. Greg Monroe never really could thrive like he would, and, and granted, Greg Monroe bet a little bit on himself. He didn't take a max deal here, so no. he's going to bet himself on himself once again in free agency. But I, I like this bet for Greg Monroe. I think he's going to fit in really, really well with Jason Kidd's offense here in Milwaukee.
2: Yeah, I also like their uh, their Chris Middleton pickup. I really think he's going to be able to uh, be their primary three point shooter. You know,
0: absolutely. I mean, he he got. I mean, Chris Middleton got a big contract, which off, you know we live in the pace and space era when Chris Middleton got a big deal the way he did, just yeah. for base, just for one skill essentially, and that's his, his consistency to hit the three pointer.
2: Right, and and then obviously everyone's excited to have Parker come back and be able to. Continue what he was doing on the little bit he had of his rookie career before oh, he went down. Absolutely,
0: I mean this guy was the number two overall pick. I think by many accounts he was on on pace to win rookie of the year. You know, you just want to see Jabari Parker grow. We know he has the potential to be a dynamic offensive player. The defensive concerns are there, but again, Jabari Parker is still very young, coming off the ACL injury. I mean, this guy was again the number two overall pick in a in a loaded draft, and people had him going to one on some boards.
2: The other thing is, you know, and. They have a lot of assets, so now I'm looking at it. Even if you know, in few years from now, they can really make a run at a big name player. They have a lot of assets that they could potentially use. That if they're just not working out with the team, they can move on.
0: The one move that I like in theory, but I didn't love the execution was the Bucks brought in Grievous Vasquez, and and I think with Michael Carter Williams, and we'll get into him in a little bit because I think you and I both have had plenty of experience watching MCW play. And they brought in Grievous Vasquez. Really solid backup point guard. Really liked the pickup. Mm-hmm. However, they did trade a first-rounder for Vasquez. They Grievous also had Vasquez. Jared
2: Bayless, if I remember correctly. Right.
0: And so it just kind of... Is a rental of Grievous Vasquez worth a first-round pick when first-round picks have more value than ever in the NBA? I just... Right. I don't... This one doesn't make sense to me.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's like... I don't know why you would need it. Because all it... I mean, you... The thing with this team is they have are they have four people players that can really be point guards. You know they've got Vasquez, they've got Tyler Ennis, they've got Bayless, they've got OJ Mayo, they've got Michael Carter Williams. Like all those guys can really do point guard work.
0: Yeah, and the other and. Three, two, one, and with Ennis again, you have a guy that who was on Phoenix who just didn't really get a lot of chance to play with with the log jam that they had last season with Dragic and Bledsoe and Isaiah Thomas. So I'll be interested to see. I'd like to see Ennis get some playing time and see if he can develop into that backup point guard because he, he fits the model of this team. Well, better. it
2: just sucks that he moved from a log jam to a log jam. Like it's not like there's much more room in this situation, you know?
0: Right. I, I do like the John Henson deal that just got done four years you know That, thats to me, is what Tristan Thompson is worth, if we're going back to that, about a John Henson deal. Maybe a little bit more, but I think you want to talk about fair value. I think that he's a really good backup big. Ilya Sova's gone. We know they've been trying to move his deal off the books Zaza's for a gone. while. Zaza Pachulia's gone. Jared Dudley's gone, too. They traded him to the Wizards. I don't really like that move. Why is that? I, I just don't think they got their value back for it. Well, the
2: problem, with, the problem with Jared Dudley, or the problem with that, was they now the team doesn't really have veteran leaders. They don't have that vet that can really help them, you know?
0: Well, and he was their best, like, he was their best wing last year. And he can stretch the floor and hit the three and play the four if need be. It's just, they only really got a second rounder for him. It seems like they could have done better for Jared Dudley.
2: Right. Well, and I guess they brought in Chris Copeland to try to counter that, maybe? Yeah, but Copeland's not going to stretch the
0: floor, like...
2: No, but I... uh, Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just don't know why they... They... I just feel like they made it harder for... Jabari Parker to get minutes you know what I mean
0: yeah absolutely and and the two the two players who are such a big part of this young core who we haven't mentioned yet are one Giannis Andetokounmpo who still has my favorite name to say in the NBA (laughs) and I mean this guy we know has all the tools to be great the guy's just his wingspan his length his athleticism are just off the charts I mean we've seen this guy basically take three steps from in half court and dunk I mean, it's just—it's so much untapped potential. The big question I have for Kumbo this year is, can he stretch the range out a little bit and get a consistent jumper? I mean, you hear the Kevin Durant comparisons, and on paper they're there, but he's got to get some more consistency with that jumper right. to me, if he wants to take the next level and just not be a really great player who's athletic.
2: Right, and so uh, team overall stats, they were 22nd in the league for points per game. You obviously want to see that go up. You assume it will with the development of the players— Greg Monroe coming in, you know, causing people to pay attention to him because he could be good for 15 points a game. Uh, Rebounds, they were 24th in the league. Again, I think Monroe addressed some of that a little bit. They were 7th in assists. Keep it up. Just Mm -hmm. keep doing that. And they were 8th. Their defense was really good in points allowed. So it'd be interesting to see if they can... You know, add to their offensive game. I think that's the main problem. Their offense and their rebounds is what they needed to fix, and I think they did address it.
0: And I want to see what Michael or what Michael Carter Williams can do in year two under Jason Kidd. You know, we know Jason Kidd was posting up a lot more, and Michael Carter Williams is six six. He's much taller than the average point guard, and so. Mm-hmm. But, man, you know, there are a lot of positives to MCW's game. Because I'm not going to, if you go back and listen to me defending him on the Sixers, I'm not about to do a total (laughs) flip-flop here. But man, if you look at his shot chart, it is just horrible. I mean, it's what nightmares are made of. You're you're talking so far below average from every single part of the floor. And the lack of a three-point game is a huge problem for MCW. And I hope that his problem in Philly a lot of times is that he would take bad shots. Early in the shot clock, just... Not the best looks instead of running the offense. I think, Jace, but Jason Kidd. If there's a coach who knows how to work with It'd point guards, Jason it's Jason Kidd. Because yep. Jason Kidd couldn't shoot either when he came into the league. So it's going to be interesting. I want to see what he does with Michael Carter Williams now that he gets a full year of him. But I'm really optimistic for this team. I, I think they have one of the best young cores of basketball. I think Greg Monroe was a great addition for them in the off season. We haven't mentioned this yet, and it doesn't have to do anything with their play, but the new Bucks jerseys are phenomenal.
2: Yeah, they're they're dirty in the, a good way. The
0: new logo, <laughs> the new jerseys, the new alternate court. I mean, credit to the Milwaukee Bucks for, I mean, this is just really cool stuff it all around. It goes with
2: the young team excitingness. They did a flip. They changed it up. They got new stuff, and, and they're excited. And just they
0: need something new. They're getting a new arena, though it may not be in the best Practices <laughs> looking at you, Scott Walker. Yeah. But we'll get back into that a little bit later. And that's a political debate for another day. But you know, you have to be enthusiastic about this team. This team surprised a lot of people last year. I think they have a lot of young pieces in place. I think they were an excellent defensive team last year, which we haven't mentioned. They look to build on that. I mean, this was their strength last year. They were one of the best defensive teams in the league. You look to build on that identity this year, and hopefully you can take the leap. But so the Bucks won forty one games last year.
2: I think they win more, and that's that's the main reasons I say the Bulls win less. Is I think the Bucks are going to take a few.
0: Absolutely. Oh, I think Greg Monroe alone wins them more games. Oh
2: yeah, I agree. So they had forty one. I could see them up in the forty six area.
0: I probably got them high forties, oh, yeah. mid forties at the. You know, st- I think they'll be right back in the mix, kind of oh, yeah. where they were last year. They're in that. They're in that. If they take the next step in the discussion with maybe Washington and Toronto and Chicago and Atlanta mm-hmm. and the, the Eastern Conference teams who were a little more high on the Milwaukee. But this team's got a bright future. You, There's a lot of good things in store ahead for Bucks fans, I think. Agreed. So you are listening to the Drive and Dish NBA podcast. Kevin Rafuse, Tim Tompkins, Justin Cousard. Make sure you check out Griffin Connolly's blog. That's under the blog tab at com. So the fourth team in the Central Division is a team that frankly, kind of didn't have a chance from the beginning of last year. And that's the Indiana Pacers, who we know, before the season even started, the gruesome leg injury of Paul George. He went
2: down for the U.S.
0: Oh, Just nasty stuff playing in in that U.S. scrimmage. Just something that nobody wants to see. Thankfully, we did get to see some PG-13 on the court last season a little bit, get a few games under his belt, trying to shake the rust off. But, I mean, that to me is the theme of the Pacers this year but so the Pacers actually had a pretty busy offseason I mean first Frank Vogel got brought back in and we had mentioned or Larry Bird had mentioned last year that they wanted to run a more fast-paced offense kind of get out into that pace and space for lack of a better which you term we say it all the time which you yeah you just can't do it with Hibbert. and the Pacers were a defensive oriented team that were designed to beat the Heat pretty much and gave them a few good runs, and but it, it just it wasn't working, and it was time to start over. So they already have Paul George, but a lot of, a lot of names out the door. Chris Copeland is gone. Roy Hibbert is the biggest one that's gone. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. He's out in L. A. now. Luis Scola is gone. Donald Sloan is gone. C. J. Watson is gone. Also David West, another big one. David who's West gone. was a big
2: one because he could have taken eleven million to stay and decided to take way less and go to the Spurs. Yeah, so I that's- mean— he,
0: it's just at the point of his career where David West knows that Indiana is not currently equipped to win the NBA Finals.
3: Right.
0: You know the Spurs are. Yep. So no. it made sense. You know he talked about that for a while, but they did bring in a bunch of different players. Tony Douglas is there. Monta Ellis, the big one. Mm-hmm. He fits more with that fast-paced offense. You know we know Monta Ellis is a very dynamic scorer, a little bit of a gunner for sure, but we definitely know he can get buckets and bunches if need be. Jordan Hill is here as well, and another. Move that the Pacers make that I really, really liked was drafting Miles Turner at number 11 overall. You know, he's a guy that we got to see in Summer he League in great. Orlando, played really, really well, fills the Hibbert role to me, is your center of the future, a little more athletic than Hibbert is, so he can stretch the floor just a tad. But for the Pacers, to me, this year, it's all about finding a new identity. And you got Paul George back, but you want to, you need to build that chemistry.
2: Right. And so my first problem. With this is, and I understand you have you have Jordan Hill and Turner um, and uh, Lavoy Allen that can come in, but they're right now that according to their site, <laughs> their starting center is Ian Mahimi. And the dude has a 10.84 per. He had four point. He averaged four points last year, five, almost six rebounds, and not even a block. Yeah, you game.
0: don't really. I mean, be, between Ian Mahimi and and Turner who's again who we said is a rookie and
2: Jordan Hill is a great option that you could potentially play at the center if you had yeah, to.
0: It's a you have a bunch of of nice options. But Turner's going to take time to develop and Jordan Hill and, and I mean that front court isn't scaring anyone, put no. it that way. Jordan Hill's a nice player. Yamahimi can give you minutes off the bench, but you're not going to get a lot from these guys. To me, you know, George Hill is, is still their starting point guard and we often criticize George Hill on the show. But second half of last year, he did actually play a lot of good minutes for the Pacers. It was a lot more effective because, I mean, we go back to the playoffs two years ago when he was absolutely useless. And it's good to see him have a bounce-back year. I think you have to have a little bit of confidence there. You hope he meshes. Obviously, just bringing Paul George back into the lineup is going to do wonders for this team. Mm-hmm. And you bring in Ellis. So the offense is de- the offensive is definitely there more than it was. You can see the transition from an defensive oriented team into a more well, faster team. They needed, team yeah, they needed scoring
2: help. They got Ellis. Ellis already in general is going to add wonders to your offensive game. I do feel like he's a little um, selfish sometimes, like doesn't pass the ball enough. I think that maybe he'll have to work on that a little bit. I like the one way I, I was, uh, one of the articles I was reading this is this is how he described the Pacers. He said, the Pacers are too talented to sleep with the Sixers yet they have too many holes to give up, and that'll give them sleepless nights with the Cavs and LeBron James.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a that's a pretty good way to put it. Yeah. I know you know our blog editor Griffin Connolly, did a whole post on on what he thinks about the Pacers. Make sure you guys check that out. It's one of his older entries, but because he's not sold on the Pacers the way we are. I mean, both you, Tim, and I all think the Pacers are going to be back in the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. We're going to be right back in the mix. I I think the Pacers are a good team, but. There, it's it's a lot of chemistry building, and they definitely have holes in the front court. And I think that's the biggest thing is they're going to have to figure out where they can get front court help on and what they can get out of who they have in the front court.
2: And I'm interested to see how long it takes uh, Paul George to come around. He did take a year, pretty much a year off of basketball, but probably a good thing to do with an injury like that. Take a year off. I'm just curious to see if he's mentally there, physically there. Uh, and, and and how he can get back into it.
0: Well, and I think those handful of games last year. You know, I I advocated that you shouldn't rush Paul George back if he's not a hundred percent because the Pacers last year weren't in a position to do anything. But I think you have to be encouraged with what you saw without Paul George and with right. some additions that they are going to be a better team this year. And and I think Paul George he's going to show rust. I mean, he only played again in a handful of games last year and you know you just no matter how many workouts you do you can't simulate nba game action no. until you actually get back in the game and i'm i'm expecting a big time bounce back here for pg13 and i think this team has found their identity now or at least the identity they want to try to implement and it's going to be interesting to see where exactly they fall in the eastern conference they're they're kind of like i don't think they're a top 5 team in the east i just think there's too many holes right but I think this team, I mean, they're back in the playoffs this year to me, no question.
2: I agree. I think I think just having Paul George back in general puts you there.
0: So 38 games, I think it's safe to say we both think they win more.
2: Yeah, a few more, yeah.
0: And we got to mention Rodney Stuckey, too. I, I you know, want to make a quick mention of him. We didn't hit him at all. He's but did great. We th- he'll chip in. He played good minutes mm-hmm. for them last year. So hopefully it wasn't a one-time thing. But we'll see. But switching gears to the final team, in the Central Division, and you're listening to the Drive-A-Dish NBA podcast, Kevin Rafuse, Tim Tompkins, Justin Kuzart. If you are an Android user, check us out on either Stitcher or on Player FM. So the final team is the Detroit Pistons. And the Pistons are an interesting team. They were 32-50 and 50 last year. And Stan Van Gundy took over. He has full executive powers. This is his team as he wants to create them. and And they made a lot of additions this year. The big loss, without a doubt, is Greg Monroe. Yes. Greg Monroe is not here anymore. Tayshaun Prince isn't there. Quincy, Quincy Miller is no longer there. John Lucas is no longer there. They did bring in Aaron Baines from San Antonio. They traded for Steve Blake, so he's in the fold to be their backup guard. Danny Granger's in the mix. See if they can get anything out of him. Marcus Morris is there. We know they brought him in a cap moving related deal with with Phoenix. They did re-sign Reggie Jackson, who was, you know, he was kind of eh for them last year, and we'll get into that in a little bit. And, but the big addition to me is Stanley Johnson, drafted number 8 overall. Again, another guy that we saw at Summer League, a guy who we knew had the tools to be great, the athletic tools, but it seemed like he was always kind of tentative when he played at the University of Arizona. But, man, he looked great in Summer League, and is he, and carried over into the preseason as well. And the thing well. is,
2: he's only nineteen. Right. He's only 19, so he's really good. Also, I think you forgot to mention that Ersens Ilyasova came over as well. Yes,
0: Ilyasova came over from Milwaukee.
2: Yes. So, I mean, I think I, I do believe Stanley Johnson's that, that off, off-season pickup that they wanted, and and he's going to do so well there. And I just really do like this team. I think, I mean, I'm really excited to watch this team. I'm I'm interested to see what Andre Drummond can do without having to share time or, or split the court with Monroe.
0: And that, to me, is the key. Mm-hmm. You, is in theory, you already have your superstar in place, and that's Andre Drummond. Mm-hmm. Again, now not splitting time, the clear number five, and you can surround him with some shooting to space the floor a little more because, you know, Josh Smith didn't exactly space the floor in Detroit.
2: Right, so I see it as this. you, you, What you're using this season for is to develop the talent you have and then see what you need. You got Caldwell Pope, you got Meeks, you got Reggie Jackson, you got Aaron Bynes. You got Stanley Johnson. Like, see, see how they play, see what they do, and how they're playing, and then address it in the off season.
0: Reggie Jackson has got to be better. They paid oh, yeah. him a lot of money, and he publicly demanded his way out of Oklahoma City. Yep. And they paid him a lot of money. He makes
2: more money than uh, Westbrook.
0: Right. Which is well, obviously Westbrook's contract hasn't yeah quite I kicked know, in. I know. Yeah, but just that's so just baffling. Seventeen in the million a season. And you you have to wonder if Reggie Jackson's worth it. I mean, he had a, a handful of games at the end where he seemed better, but he just he, he didn't have that consistency. I mean, his shooting was poor, to put it bluntly. Mm-hmm. And you need to see more out of him going forward. And you know, Jody Meeks, great three point shooter. He's been consistent for that his entire career. It's it's interesting to me the team that Stan Van Gundy is putting together because we know Sam Van is one of the biggest anti-tanking guys out there. I mean, he publicly blasted Sam hinkey to his face at the owners' meetings. Mm-hmm. But it, it seems like they're trying to win and develop at the same time, and you wonder how that approach is going to work. To me... It should be about developing talent this year for Detroit and seeing what you have. You know, you want to see Drummond make the leap. That to me is the big thing this year is you want to see Andre Drummond take the next step and become the superstar that we think he has the potential to be. You'd love to see a guy like Stanley Johnson come in and make contributions as a rookie and look like he can be one of your guys going forward. You want to see, you hope Ilyasova can bounce back now that he's, here in Detroit, and you think you hope that Reggie Jackson can get some more consistency on the offensive end and be the true number one point guard that Detroit is paying him, as you said, $17 million a year to be. Right. So I'm just, I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle with Detroit. I think they're going to win games, but. Until Drummond takes the leap, they're just not really that inspiring to
2: me. Right. I just really, really hope, and I, I don't know why, but I I root for the guy every year, and every single year he disappoints me. I just hope Ilyasova can have a crazy bounce-back year. Like I, He's been struggling for, I feel like it feels like three years now to get back into it. He had like one really good year, and then since then hasn't been able to find it again, but with the offense that Stan Van's going to want to run it really favors that three-point shot that we know he— had might still have it. just we have to see it you know
0: yeah you need definitely need to see more consistency out, out of him man i've said consistency a lot during this Pistons talk but i agree we know what i mean we know that stan van is is ideally going to try to implement an offense similar to what he did in Orlando when he was coaching those teams to the finals. And again, based around the dynamic center, he had Dwight Howard in Orlando, and you have Drummond. You hope Drummond can be that guy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, look at the teams of the Orlando. You had Jason Richardson and Hito Turkoglu and, and Michael Petris, and all these shooters, and you have shooters now. You have Meeks and you have a few of these guys. And you're hoping that Stan Van can, this year as a Pistons fan to me, you're hoping he can lay the blueprint of what that offense was like in Orlando and that he can begin to retool in the offseason to get people in here. But as I said, a lot of that is dependent on Drummond taking the next step because he's the guy you want to build around there.
2: Agreed. So Detroit had 32 wins and 50 losses last year. Do you think it's more or less?
0: Um, this is this is one of the more difficult ones that, I agree. that we've done so far because so many. if it goes bad, they have the potential to be at the bottom. And I mean the if, bottom. If there's bottom.
2: just some injuries and it doesn't mesh... But
0: at the same time, I
2: think they have enough
0: quality pieces and NBA vets in there that I, I think they're going to win slightly more than 32 games this year. Not a lot, but I think they'll probably—I'm going to put them at around the 34 mark, 35 mark.
2: See, I think—and I, and so what? It was 38 wins last year was the eighth seed in the East—
0: Right God, I think that's so bad, it's so
2: terrible, I know, but I think they could be around that area and and I think it's going to cause it's going to be more. you're going to need to win more to make it into the eighth seed this year, but I think they're going to be around thirty eight. I
0: think best case scenario this team sneaks as an, sneaks in as an yeah. eighth seed
2: and that, and I'm going on the very. I'm taking the high one here like i'm I'm going for best case scenario. Okay. I think they're going to be around thirty eight
0: so last year, three teams from this division made the playoffs, Cleveland, Chicago, and Milwaukee. And so it was Cleveland, Chicago, Milwaukee, Indiana, Detroit. How do you break them down this year?
2: I think it's Cavs, Bulls, Cavs, Bulls, Pacers, Bucks, Pistons. But I could see four of them making it. I could see all but Pistons making it.
0: I have the same exact standings as last year. Now, now the Milwaukee-Indiana was very tough for me. That's where I was going back and forth. Right. And I agree. With, I think those two could very well flip-flop. I think Cleveland and Chicago are the two best teams. I think Detroit is the clear fifth. But I actually do agree with you. I think I think four teams make it this year. I, I think Chicago, Cleveland, Milwaukee, and Indiana all yeah. will make the playoffs this yeah, year. Yeah,
2: I, I agree with you. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Tim's lis- going to listen to this episode and be screaming.
0: I don't think he will. I I feel like if Tim... I feel like Tim agrees with all four of these being playoff teams.
2: But I, sure I feel like he's way anyway. higher. Well, yeah. But I feel like he's way higher on the Pacers than we
0: are. I think he is. It's not that we're not high on the Pacers. I just think they're not, you know. Right. But Paul George could also go off and be a superstar and, and carry them. You just, you never know. Speaking of things you do know, why don't we get into the drive and Dougal? Please, teach me how to work. play basketball.
2: Gee, let me think. Um, sure. The drive and Dougal. Wait, what's that? It's like Google. If it's just the NBA...
1: For this week's Drive and Dougal, I'm going to break down the three main points of emphasis refs will have this upcoming season. That's illegal screens, verticality, and when continuation starts. So let's start with illegal screens. In every NBA game, there are over 200 screens. Players are not allowed to extend their arms or legs outside their shoulders. Blind screens must be given one step prior to contact as well. Let's talk about verticality. The defending player must already be in their spot prior to the driving player beginning their vertical motion to the basket and 100% vertical launch of the defender, arms and body included. The defender cannot jump to the right or the left and must be in their spot and jump straight up. Yes, that is also including the arms. Let's talk about when continuation starts. When a player drives to the basket, the continuous motion starts when the player ends his dribble while in control of the ball. That's key. If he's fouled any time after after that, that's continuation. There's an official video by the refs to the players and the officials for the NBA. Just Google 2015-2016 points of emphasis. It's the third link down. In this week's Drive and Dougal, the three main points of emphasis by refs for this upcoming season.
0: So thank you everyone very much for listening to this episode of the Drive-In Dish NBA podcast. As we said earlier in the episode, this was our final division preview. We have made it. Real basketball is <laughs> right around the corner. I know we're all itching to get the season started and, and on
2: top of that, we have two fa- we have a fantasy draft. We have two fantasy drafts. Well, you and me have two. Our listeners have one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. So, please check your emails if you signed up to play fantasy with us and see if you got we're lucky enough to get that spot we want to thank everyone again who signed up and we wish we could get everyone involved but you know random drawings sometimes it just plays out how it plays out so again please check your emails we want to get you signed up so that if you cannot play we want to make sure we get a backup in there so please make sure you check your emails we have been slacking on mailbag recently we are aware of that and thank you everyone who did send us mailbag questions next week These preview episodes tend to go a little longer, so we will get back into your mailbag questions, so stay. Looking out for that post during the week, or if you have any mailbag questions, please just shoot us a mailbag question on Facebook or Twitter, throw that hashtag mailbag in there. And as always, please leave us a review on iTunes, as we say earlier in the show, and we say every episode, we are not egotistical people, we are not getting off to these reviews, just <laughs> th- but they help us move up the iTunes ranking. So please, whether you like the show, whether you hate the show, whether you're somewhere in the middle, leave us a review on iTunes, and we will read them on the show.
2: Speaking of loving the show, shout out to the the listeners helping us out on Reddit and giving us some love. We see you out there. We may not comment as the Driving Dish page, but we do see those comments. So, you know, uh, shout out for spreading the word and spreading the love. But if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at Driving Dish NBA. You can follow Tim. He's not here, but you can still follow him at Radio Tim. NBA. You can follow Kevin at Refuse to Lose, and you can follow me at Justin C on the air.
0: And we neglected to mention it too, but we want to mention if you're on an Android, mm-hmm. please make sure you can listen on Stitcher and on Player FM and any other podcasting stream out there. Again, the website is DriveAndDishPodcast.com, but previews are over. Tim's hunting for a plaid shirt. Hopefully he finds it, and happy Almost Basketball.
3: I think we've done a lot of dancing for today, so why don't we dance Wednesday? See you, Starside.
2: Alright, alright, I think they get the point.
3: It's fall. The geese are headed south, and it's time for you to hit the woods. So button things up, find where they hide, and pattern the deer you seek. Come into Cabela's Great Outdoor Days and save over 20% on Herder's select-grade handgun ammo. Save $180 after mail-in rebate on Walther PPS M2 pistols with instant savings of $80. And get a Vortex Diamondback 3.5 to 10x50 V-Plex Rifle Scope, just $149.99. Shop in-store and at Cabela's.com. It's fall. The geese are headed south, and it's time for you to hit the woods. So button things up, find where they hide, and pattern the deer you seek. Come into Cabela's Great Outdoor Days and save over 20% on Herder's select-grade handgun ammo. Save $180 after mail-in rebate on Walther PPS M2 pistols with instant savings of $80. And get a Vortex Diamondback 3.5 to 10x50 V-Plex Rifle Scope, just $149.99. Shop in-store and at Cabela's.com.
1: With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.